Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just you forgot to enter. Hi, this is Paul Tossi. I'm the business guy, and this is my golden hour. Oh, oh God, what's going on? Where am I going? Oh. Dad? Yes, my son. I am Deuce, the Deer God. I'm so confused. Who am I? Derek. Your true name is Dercules. Dercules. Wait, what? Yes. You are Dercules, the god of the forest. <laughs> Season five. Hosted by your favorite podcast host, Big Bochi. You already know the deal, motherfucker. What's up? So the double clap signifies the start of an episode. But before we begin and I elaborate on what a podcast is, yeah. I want, before I even introduce anybody in the room, hey everyone, if you're listening or watching, this is Connor Hallway of the Golden Hours Podcast. And if you by chance get any sort of value from this episode, we're all in business here, right? I'm kind of in business. I think I'm in business. You can't really be in business if you're not making money. But if you get any sort of value... You're entertained or you're informed. You get any sort of information to share with a friend. That's all we ask. You guys got friends, right? Auntie Mo's got a ton of friends. She got golf friends, tennis friends, Queechy friends. Queechies. Yeah. And with that being said, who else is in the room? Nick, you're going to have to get off the phone for a sec so you can introduce yourself. Starting with Big Fresh. Big Fresh, we'll start with you. Yo, yo, Big Fresh checking in. Next. Nikki Buckets. <laughs> nah, Nick Benuto, business development manager for Waverly. And a great guy. Great guy. Sudbury guy. And I have my family in the building. The woman who made it happen. Come hit the mic, Auntie Mo. <laughs> it's Auntie Mo. <laughs> I love it. And, and to my right. So, Auntie Mo, you, you've been kind of throwing me off all week because I was like, you know, I'm not going to do like that extensive research on our guests. But you said you're Paul Tossie. You're junior. I'm junior, yep. Oh, okay. So you're not senior. No. You're senior to I'm the senior third. to the third, yeah. yeah. And Paul owns. Do you kind of want to give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do? So, um, yeah, I have um, Waverly Development. And Waverly Development is a snow and ice management company that does, you know, landscaping, junk hauling. Um, we own a car wash and, um, we develop real estate. So, so you do a lot. Yeah. Well, I keeps busy. Uh, do, do you feel like you, you, uh, feed off the chaos? Like, have you always been that way? Yes. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to have a lot of downtime. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Come hang around. We'll keep you busy. Don't worry. And so how do you, how do you, with all like your different ventures and like you have such a diversified portfolio, how do you choose which, what you definitely have to get done in one day? Because you have all these different things you kind of have to do. So I do most of my work at night and uh, I bring my work home um, so that I can get the technical part of what I have to do uh, done at night. And then during what is the technical part? Well, you know, just the, the phone calls I have to make, the appointments I have to see, the um, people have to be lined up to get work from i get all that done at night and then during the day I, I start off with a meeting in the morning and then basically just go watch all the different entities at work and you know help them if they have a problem 
And so what would a, a problem be? <laughs> because, because you're at the point now where you're pretty much just a firefighter, right? You're right. just dealing with issues every day. Yeah. If you want to have problems every day, start a trucking company. I guarantee you. <laughs> in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. Any company in Massachusetts will keep you very busy uh, on a legal basis. So, you know, there's always something to do. Oh, so it's consistent legality, like firefights, or well, is it I tried. I stay no, I stay away from any kind of uh, legal firefights. You know, I never win at those, and I always uh, try to work with uh, the employees in such a way that they are as happy as they can be. Because if they're happy, then production goes up, and um, if you're constantly squabbling with the employees, you know, nothing goes right. So Paul's a Sudbury guy. Yep. A boo. I'm not. I'm a Lincoln guy. Remember, there's a difference. (laughs) There's a a line. To Sudbury people, Lincoln people are like country bumpkins from a farm town. Farmers. Yeah, they literally think that. It's absurd. But but there was a time, there was a couple days where I had driven LS through Lincoln and there was cows crossing the road. This is a true story. Pretty wild. So can you kind of give a quick synopsis of uh, how you like built this like crazy vast empire of different businesses because we talked about it on the phone a little bit but it's a wild story man so we i started out um at a we have a, a family car wash that uh, my dad had built and in in 1964 and i uh, did i had a less than illustrious career at college so as was, did i yes <laughs> i went to several and and left them all but um boston state right yeah boston state for two weeks so, that's where my dad went yeah it's now defunct it's gone yeah yeah <laughs> well it merged with with umass boston mm. right yeah and then um so i was given an opportunity to take over the car wash car wash was at that time doing about thirty six thousand cars and um had a meeting with the the bank and the bank explained that we were a bit behind in our mortgage payments and our. How, how old are you at this time? Nineteen. Oh, so you take over business when you're nineteen. Yeah, a pretty much defunct business, and um, yeah, and then. Um, are, after, are you stressed at the time? Like, well, you it? don't know what you don't know, so you don't know how to. You know, you just think it's still going to be all right, right? And then when <laughs> I when I when we left the bank, you know, the baptism under fire began, you know, and. I said to my dad, well, geez, you know, we're this far in the hole and we need to do this and that. You know, what do we do now? He goes, I don't know. He goes, but if you lose this, you're out. You already quit school. So, you know, if this doesn't work, then you better find something else to do. Hey, sorry to interrupt. I think the mic's picking up the chair, swiveling a little bit. No worries. Thank you. Big, fresh, you sound handsome on the mic. (laughs) Yeah, this is pretty good. How long was your dad... uh Running the business before he wasn't. He wasn't. He had an international company. Uh, He farmed peat moss in uh, New Brunswick. Whoa. Yeah, and this was kind of like a a side business that they had, and um, my uncle ran it. And then he was elderly at the time, so I I was able to take it over. And I worked the next two years straight without a day off, and (laughs) just kind of kept it going. Blood through your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Just tired every day. Yep. Yep. You learn how to. You know, work every day that ends in Y, right? And and so you're 19, you take it over, and are you, are your parents at the time like you're like a dropout? Like yeah. you got to get this done. No, they they just left me there. You know, it was just you know if you if you don't make it, you you just you know, sink or swim, right? That was it. Did you pick it up quick? 
Well, I had worked there as a as a, you know as a kid. I mean, I started working when I was ten. You know, they brought me down there to clean towels when I was you know ten years old. So um, I knew about the place, and I could weld. I, I picked up welding for some reason in um, you know when I was in school. Where, did you go to a vocational? No, school no. I just it was like metal shop, but you know. And then we we had welders there, so I just played with them until I learned how to do it. And that helped because then I could start playing around with the yeah, hot flame. Yeah, yeah, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> try not to blow anything the, the up. Chaos, right? Yeah, and so at night, you know, we used to close at five thirty back then, and I used to work until you know nine or ten, just fixing everything that broke during the day. So, um, and that's it. And then I, then because um, we didn't make enough money, we started to detail cars, and then uh, we got all the car dealerships that were local to come in and bring their cars. And then, you know, we added a U-Haul business, and that helped a little. Well, for reference, the car wash that Paul is talking about is the Belmont Car Wash. Correct. Which has been, I've been giving that place money for years. <laughs> I had no clue you owned it. I, I go there for the vacuums. Yeah, right. Because my car gets a little nasty. <laughs> and, um, I mean, you guys always have people busting through that place, man. Stuart. Abu, do you, are you familiar with the Belmont Car Wash? I've definitely driven by it, yeah, and it's always just packed every time I go by it. it. It's like right on the Waltham Watertown. Yeah, line. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's built up quite a bit, and uh, we've got great people running it, so yeah, they do a nice job. Yeah, well, that's another thing. The employees are always wicked nice. Yeah, they're great. They're great And there's people. always like a Belmont High School girl who, like washes, yeah. like dries your mirror yeah and i'm like all right you're gonna guilt me to giving you three bucks fine yeah <laughs> sure wow, that's big you give three dollars why most good. people do like a buck dollar yeah well you're you're a podcaster so you must have a lot of dough exactly as you can tell in the back of this empty <laughs> warehouse very entrepreneurial i actually stole this painting <laughs> looks good i don't even know what it is it looks like they're playing trombones or something was it saxable i think it's sax yeah yeah, okay. yeah. You're, the, you're the music guy <laughs> so you um so 36,000 cars at the time, is that not a lot? Not a lot, no. no. Okay. Is that so per month or per year? No, per year. Okay. Yeah. So 3,000 cars a month? Yeah, we're doing about 100 and a quarter now. You know, so we've built it up quite a bit. So you've quadrupled the business? Yeah. Over, in, and let me guess now, how old are you, like 28? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm 60. So you've quadrupled the business over 40 years. Has that been sustained? Yep. Okay. Yeah, every year got a little bit better and better. We won Best of Boston in 1998, I believe. And so, how did how did you do? How did you outmarket like other car washes in the area? Because it's such like a location based business. Yeah. Well, we're full service, so we do the interiors of the car, and we, as you said, you know, we wipe them off. And most places would just kind of like send them through, and that's it. So we just kept giving people a really good, you know job and they kept coming back and did you do a little spying on other car washes in the area because i know there's one near bentley there's yeah we spied all the time i'm sure you know and and then um my father pulled up one day and said uh while you're spying people are upset at your place you better get back there you're going to lose everything and spying stopped immediately yeah. you know that was about it <laughs> and, and had, was there an area Excuse me, was there any other competition that popped up like during the time, car washes in the area? Yeah, what happened um, was all these little small gas station car washes started, and that took a a big chunk of business. So that's why, you know, we kind of reinvented ourselves to 
do the uh, online, de- uh, you know, detailing, no appointment necessary. And, and that, you know, really increased the business. And how did you choose when you were building up a car wash? How did you create new SKUs, like new products, like new polishes? How did you realize there was like a space for that? Because I mean, like, I feel like every time I go get a car wash, it's like 10 bucks. Like I'll, I'll do, I mean, I'm getting a podcaster here. I'll get the $10 wash. But how did you know there was a market to do like a more expensive car wash? Well, it's um, a very precise science. R&D, a lot of R&D, which basically is rob and duplicate. Yeah. You know, so Love we just, it. as we were kind of spying, <laughs> we learned other ways to do it. And it worked for someone else. We figured it might work for us. So we took a shot and it worked. Pretty good. So the car wash is booming. How old are you? Um, we really had it on, you know, twenty six or seven, right around there. And from then on, it's it's you know sustained itself. So it took you about like eight years. Yeah, and and during the eight years, we um, we built uh, five laundromats, and we picked up a second car wash, and it was just. You know, kept us busy, you know, because when the car wash when it would rain, there was nothing to do. So we rehabbed old laundromats and built them up. So the car wash, it you've been running it for like three, four years, and then you decide to start a second business? Yeah. Uh, you're, uh, you're a nutso, man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well it Just was... Just get bored or... Yeah, well, one of my customers came in and asked if we wanted to... Um, uh, by his laundromat, and was it, was, it was in Waverly. It was up in Cushing Square, up in the okay. middle of Belmont. And whereabouts? Uh, well, it's torn down now. They're just putting on a new um, building right up at the corner of Common Street. Where and, that Starbucks is that big yep, complex? Yeah, right yep. behind there. And um, so his his uh, laundromat was much the same as the car wash at the time it was junk. So we went in and learned how to fix everything, and then um, we ended up remodeling it and putting in all new equipment. And that took off. So then we just started to, you know, go and talk to all the people in the area. In in our area, the laundromats are, you know, it's a thing of the past because now everything's a condo and they have their own um, laundries built in. But, you know, at the time, there was still a market. and it's They're all still, you know, doing well right now. We built six of them, so. And were you like, hey, I'm... I'm technically savvy. I understand how machines work. I kind of have a welding background, no, so I can do it. Or this no. just seems like a cash cow. Let me just try it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was. It was we made a um, we made a deal with him. We gave we gave him more than he would have gotten on the open market, but he held the financing. So we figured, worst case scenario, if we were there for you know three or four months and it didn't work, we just walk away. But you know, it worked. So and. Um, you know, he made more than he was going to make, and, you know, we had no money out of pocket other than just starting. Who's we? My brother worked with me. My brother Adam has been with me um, <laughs> cleaning up my messes for the past, you know, 30 years. So, Are you guys like a, a tag team duo? No, you know, Adam is, you know, is a great guy. He's behind the scenes, and he does, you know, the financial work and, you know, all the paperwork the that I, you, all the stuff I absolutely hate. You and, know, and you like doing the biz dev. Yep, right. Yep, yep. So you start the car wash; it's booming, yeah. and then you say, "Okay, I'm gonna start some laundromats up." Yep. And and there were no failures mixed in there. No, 
Uh, have, how lucky that is. No, well, I mean, you know, failure happens almost every day, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's always something wrong. Um, but we had, um, we did end up with two laundromats that we bought um, from a, a fellow we knew that we trusted uh, in Boston on Jersey Street and Queensbury Street. And they turned out to be, um, you know, we were fed, you know, a smoke and mirrors deal. And um, that well, took us a elaborate. little while. So, um, it was a dentist that owned two of them, and um, they, he brought a guy in to clean them all up. And they had, you know, fictitious books. And you know, at that time, I, you know, I didn't have an accounting background, so I couldn't read through them. We, we, you know, we take everything on face value, you know, and uh, which is a mistake, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, once we got in there, we realized that there was no business and no traffic. So we started doing a, a wash, dry, and full drop-off uh, business, and my brother got the, the Harvard uh, contract, and that kept us alive for a while. What was that? Like, you know, the Harvard kids' laundry? Uh, the kid, yeah, basically. This uh, is like real hustle. This is awesome. Well, yeah, it was because we were scared to death that we weren't going to make the payments, and this guy had us pretty well tied up uh, financially, and when we had two or three other you know entities that were working, we were deathly afraid of losing everything. So we just found a way to, um, you know, build that up. So we did a lot of the wash, dry, and fold. And then we were lucky enough to sell to a, a wholesale uh, laundry guy that said, hey, I don't really care about the machines. I need the this, boom, boom, boom. And we sold it out and left. And this whole time, the, the car, like in the back of your mind, you know the car wash is making money. So is that a, sh- a sharing to you while you start all these other well, business ventures? It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't walking out with, you know, pails of 20s. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, we made money and we made a living and we made a week's pay and things were sustainable. But, you know, you were faced with, do you want to stay and work for, you know, at the time back then, 500 bucks a week or do you want to make a thousand? And if you're going to make a thousand, you got to do something else because, we kind of tapped out the resources we had at um, uh, at a Belmont. You can only do so much. And at this time when you were building all these businesses, did you realize you kind of had a sense for it? Like, No, you, absolutely not. We would just, it was just. Throw it at the wall, see what sticks to Yeah, I mean, you know, you have an understanding. You know, two and two is four. It's not 11. You know, when someone tells you it's 11, you have a problem, right? So you got a scammer on your hands. Right, exactly. So you learn you got that, that quick. dentist on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> F that guy, man. I'll go find him one day. <laughs> <laughs> I like to do dental work on him. <laughs> and so, yeah, but your dad was an entrepreneur. So, I mean, you must, and you're working since you're 10, you have a business sense more than most. Well, yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough to be able to, to uh, hang around my father. Uh, you know, all my life. And, you know, we got, we were involved, we'd sit during union negotiations in Canada, you know, in a foreign country when we were young, you know, so we saw what it was like to interact, but yeah. You know, looking back now, I, because my dad is, he works in a union and I grew up going to like rallies, political rallies. And mm-hmm. so I feel like that kind of gave me a sense of, on how to talk to people in retrospect. Right. What do you yeah. think, Auntie Mo? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Shy. Yeah. <laughs> Never have been. <laughs> so you have the big laundromats running. Yeah. 
you turn into a young boss. You're like 27, 28, right? Mm-hmm. All the girls are like, oh, my God, Paul Tossie. Yeah, no. This guy's <laughs> yeah. a bachelor. He's killing it. <laughs> nah, that didn't work. <laughs> so when did you kind of build the confidence up? You're operating all these businesses. You're closing sales. Okay, I'm going to like put my foot down and start the landscape company. Or is that is that the right order of Yeah, no, that what happened was I was offered a chance to take over the detailing operation at the Concord Auto Auction. And the Concord Auto Auction was just selling uh out to Odessa. And a couple of the kids that worked for me, great young guys, um, ended up managing uh Concord and then moving on to Framingham and then became really successful in the Odessa family. This is Concord Mass? Yeah, Concord Mass. That was the auction that's up uh, right off of Route 2. And uh, they asked me to come on and, and run the detail shops because we had built up the, the detailing so well at Belmont. And at the, at the time, I had always plowed snow. I was plowing snow since I was in high school. And it just so happened that a uh, one of my clients that I was plowing for asked me if we did landscaping. And most of the guys that worked for me were landscapers in the in the summer because in the winter they had nothing There's to no do snow. right so um that's how we started the landscape business and i you know it was it was it was i had a chance to go on a very kind of lucrative run with the odessa family not knowing what they were you know going to be all about and i chose to just do landscaping instead Wait, so you were landscaping the Concord Auto area? Nope, nope. I, I had a chance to go run the detail business at okay. the Concord Auto Auction. And you, and you did that? I did not. Okay. I, I decided to landscape instead because I had the men there. I the you know the job was right up the street. I'd already plowed it, so I had some history with them. And, um, and do you start with Concord houses or? No, no, no. This was in Watertown, and I don't do. I never did houses. I did all commercial work. You know, we did Gillette Stadium. We've we've um, we've done all sorts of businesses in Boston. Never residential. No, I never. I, just friends. You know, I I didn't do any residential. I like the commercial end of things because we had a you know more comer- money. Well, less aggravation. Yeah. You know, and most of our commercial. Uh, snow accounts wanted us to do landscaping. That's how it all built, you know. Have like a year-round service right. for their buildings. Right. And was that novel at the time? Did most people have like a, a plowing company and a landscaping company? It's it's evolved into landscape companies now are all-inclusive, most of them, especially on the commercial basis. So you, know? you, you set the trend. Well, I, I can't take that. I can't take that credit. Why not? I, well, we'll yeah. never be able to prove it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So you're 27 when the landscape company starts up. What Auntie Mo was telling me was that you'd start up with just like three, four guys. Yeah, we had uh, we used the kids at the car wash, and we were mowing the lawns when it was raining because the car wash was closed. So I kept the guys working, you know, six days a week. And um, but then it had to get to be a little bit more formal because you know we sh- we're showing up when it's raining and yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like hey, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> And, and these are all houses in the area? No houses. All oh, excuse commercial. Me, excuse me. Yeah, just commercial. We started with one condominium complex. In Watertown? In Watertown. And then... Um, you like the king of Watertown, man. Nah, it was for about 11 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we started to... We ventured out, and I ended up with another... Uh, my cashier's son was a 
was a property manager and he gave us another landscape contract and that's how it all started i mean well so you're kind of cutting this down into i understand what i'm learning about when i have people of a different demographic up on my show like people in their 50s and 60s they look old back, people yeah, yeah old, real old no. people they look back and and they give a synopsis of years like it's this like like years are a short amount of time and obviously i think a boo would you agree like a year seems like a long time to you right now yeah so mm. what is the day-to-day like for you during these days is it just a grind get up wicked early work the whole day deal with everyone's bullshit and then just kind of repeat it's all seven days a week that's all you do but i i never looked at it as work i mean i i've had nothing but fun since i quit school you know and um it's i've loved every minute of what i've done so i never thought about time time never meant anything what feels like work for you now like what's like oh my god i just don't want to do that <laughs> like i hate typing you know what i'm saying Somebody might hear this podcast, so I'm just going to say, I, I don't really know. What, okay. you know? <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah. How important has the, the ability for you and what you've built, um, how important is the ability to sell and learn how to sell stuff? Well, you're, you're a salesman. Everybody in the company, no matter what company you have, is a salesman, you know, uh, whether you realize it or not. You, you, you have to constantly sell. You have to constantly communicate with the customers um, you know, we have an expression in our company, if, if one person wins, two people lose, you know, and if, if you're charging too much, you lose your job. If you're not communicating with your customer, you're going to lose your job. So, you know, you always have to be constantly around your customers and talking to them, you know, at least accessibly. You know? Gauging what they want. And yeah. What and they prefer. Make sure you t- whatever they want, you just take care of. Otherwise, someone else will. How important has short-term speed been for you on a day-to-day basis and getting things done quick? No, I don't. They put rest areas on the highway for me. I mean, I don't do anything quick. You know, just you're always trying to um, you're always trying to just be in front of the customer. And as long as you're doing that, you don't have to move too quickly. You know, you just have to you know you have to watch your growth and you have to watch how you communicate. So, have you always been patient? No. No, I'm always trying to get things done. Exactly. But, you know, not at the expense of someone leaving work saying, I don't want to come back here. You know, this guy's a lunatic. You know, I'm not working like this. You know, and at first, that takes a little time, right? You've got to gauge yourself. And, you know, you come out of the gate screaming and, you know, this is the way we got to do things. And then, you know, I've lost some, some you know, people along the way, you know, that... Well, I probably wouldn't want them back, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you got to be careful how you take care of your employees. That's the, that's the main thing. Okay, so the landscape company is building. Yep. Right? Yep. When does it really start like, whoa, this thing's getting really big? So, so about six years into it, most landscape companies in America are $2 million entities or under. Uh, the next well, kind I, of- I ran one. Did you? Yeah, I did a little mulchy, then I got poison ivy, and I quit. Yeah, steroids. <laughs> it was over. You're all set. Yeah. Oh, yeah, straight to the hall. Emerson, actually. Emerson's great, yeah. I've been there several times with poison. I don't do any work, because if I do work, I 
same thing happens to me. I get hurt, you know, poison ivy, you know, cut but my finger. you make finger. it look like you're working hard. I just go around and talk to everybody and say, yeah. I used to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to start doing. And they believe it. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> Nick will tell you that. He, <laughs> they all think I can drive a truck. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know how to plow anymore. That, I don't even know what the pedal's doing, the extra pedal. <laughs> <laughs> Right, well, can you? Is it stick shift? Most of your plows? Is that no, how it works? No, everything or? I got now is automatic. Yeah, yeah. I got to use your head too much on a stick shift. It's too much. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, Abu, you ever dress stick, stick no, shift? No, I don't want to either. Yeah, <laughs> dude, it's terrible. <laughs> Grinding the gears, you're spinning out. So you're six. You're six years in. Six years huge. in, well, it didn't get huge, but, you know, we broke past, you know, four or five million dollars, and it just got to the point where we had to start adding, you know, more infrastructure and, um, you know, bigger yards and that kind of stuff. So we started outgrowing everything. And then you're faced with either you have to continue to grow or you have to start to shrink it, because if you don't keep growing, um, you know, you start to fail, right? You know, so um, we just we just kept going. You know, and then we eventually built it up to. Are you excited during this time? You know, the, you nervous? Every no, no, I'm nervous every day, and I'm excited every day. Mm-hmm. You know, every day you're trying to check off to see. You know, are the employees safe? Are they happy? Are the customers happy? Uh, so you're always checking that stuff, and then um, you know the the fun is when a customer you know gives you another customer. And you get to meet somebody else, and you hear their story. I mean, it's like what you do, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, you just talk to everybody all day. I just don't too, wear headphones. Too much time, yeah, but just too much time behind a phone and computer. Oh, yeah. Hate it. You got to get out. I don't, you know, you got to get out and walk around. It's, what's, what's your screen time looking like right now? Um, you do a better job of it than I do, honestly. I don't know. I think recently it's been up there a lot, yeah. I've been watching a lot of, like, YouTube and You've stuff. been active. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you have any questions right now? Um, yeah, so... Real quick, Big Fresh drops Haymaker questions. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> I could just say I don't know. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. Oh, well, no, they're always very intellectual and intuitive. Oh, forget it. Though. So <laughs> you, you've been running uh, businesses around, like, the greater Boston area right. for 30, 40-plus years, right? Yeah. Um, over that time, ha- have you noticed, like, kind of changes in the area that have affected your businesses directly, or has it always kind of been, like, this just straight um, kind of line of growth well i'll tell you the the one thing that you, just coming over here today i can tell you that when, when i was a kid you know this this um this area that we're in right now i mean you could buy multifamily houses for twenty five thousand bucks you know these three families and um you know there was no traffic and there was no big buildings in boston there was a few you know but the amount of growth that's happened in boston cambridge somerville you know all these places it's just amazing to see uh, you know the population just explode like the seaport seaport yeah it was you know pier four we used to go to pier four that was it there was like two restaurants down there like a lot it wasn't just like an empty lot yeah that's what people said it was a huge parking lot that was it yeah so is the the gentrification of the city helped some of your businesses oh we we plow a ton in the seaport you know we haul snow in the seaport every every single snowstorm i mean the place has exploded with all sorts of opportunity, there's a ton of opportunity now to be in the uh, snow landscape. You know, the service business. You know, and if you had a if you had a, a cleaning company, I'm sure they'd tell you the same thing. You know, it was just it's it's amazing the amount of growth. Great question, Auntie Mo. Any questions right now? <laughs> Not right now. But I'll take it some. Okay, <laughs> well, let's get on the mic. No problem. So. 
the company's growing. You're what, like mid thirties? Yeah, I mean, you know, from um, late thirties, um, mid forties were. Um, that was the that was the, You're the, in the time. Prime. Yeah, that was it. How are you spending your money at the time? I didn't spend it. I just reinvested everything back in the company. Everything. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't live extravagantly. You know, we have. I can a, tell. Yeah, I mean, I got my <laughs> boots, and they're ripped. I just noticed. I got. A, they got a, steel toes on them. No, not you too heavy. That? Nah, it's too heavy. They're lethal weapons. I stay away from work, so I don't have to worry about steel toes, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I just um, everything that we did, and in, even now, even today, you know, I just invest everything back in the company. I don't, I don't, I don't need much, you know. There's nothing that you buy now that you're like, that's sweet. Like, nah, no. A home in Sudbury is kind of, is a big purchase. It's cool, yeah. We got a beach house. Nice. You know? and, and down the Cape? No, up in Maine. Whoa, why'd you choose Maine over the Cape? Because I'm sick of traffic. Yeah. Up in Maine, it's, there's only just going through the center of town, and that's it. Yeah, but you jump in the water, and it's instant hypothermia. I'm not jumping in any water. All right, you don't <laughs> yeah. do the work. You don't yeah. do the work. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> don't exert yourself. I'm on yourself. a chair. That's I love it. it. <laughs> Why Sudbury? Why not? Why not continue your kingdom in Watertown? With and my wife chose it. I yeah. had nothing to do with it. I was told where to go, and that was it. Yeah. For reference, anybody listening, Paul's son is also named Paul Tossi, and he was also always he's, he's still around, but he's <laughs> always just a very very hard worker, and I can understand where he gets it from now. Yeah, he's a gritty <laughs> dude. Yeah, he stays busy. Yeah. Do yeah. you see some of of him in you? No, he's he's far more intellectual than I was. <laughs> he's probably grown up in Sudbury, right? Yeah, that's it. You kids are all bright kids, you know. We're all soft. That's what you're saying. <laughs> I, I wonder how different it would be. I think about it all the time on Timo if I had like grow, grown up in Cambridge instead of Lincoln. Probably my sisters and I would be like starkly, starkly different. And that's, that's just the environment. That's Absolutely. the farm. That's the farm back there in Lincoln. Well, well, I always victimized myself because I had a little harder than most kids, but because my parents were split, so I had a little bit harder. But, there you go. Yeah, but I've been very, very fortunate. I'm pretty lucky. So now, jump ahead. Company's booming. Then you sell it. Yeah. What is that like? For big bucks, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I didn't expect it. I wasn't. I wasn't thinking about it. Um, you know, there was always in the back of your head that someone might buy you, and um, I, I happened to be at uh, Cavicchio's at the nursery, and uh, Darren Young approached me and he said, "Man, you know, the trucks are in and out all the time. Why don't you just? Aren't you sick of the headaches?" And I said, "Who's going to buy us now?" We had gotten to that threshold where. You know, we were, um, you know, you're too big to be bought up by a little guy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he says, I know a few people looking around. I said, well, see what you come up with. And the next thing you know, a a company called Valley Crest that was um, based in California uh, approached me. And a wonderful guy by the name of Bert Sperber called me. I thought his name was Ron Sperber. Shoot. uh, No, Bert. Yeah. Bert was the father and a real dynamic guy. And I said, well, look, at you know, after the, this was heading toward Thanksgiving, and, he, and um, I said, why don't you give me a call after the first of the year? You know, the snow, we're busy right now getting ready. And he goes, okay. And um, 
How big is their company? Their company was huge. They had just um, uh, merged with Michael Dell and like you know Dell Computers. Dell Computers, yeah. They were but a they were but a at that time about a billion dollar company, landscape company. And so they're um, like the biggest in the country. They were one of the biggest. That and Brickman was another good size firm, which has now merged to be Brightview, which and, is and you're the biggest in Massachusetts at this time. Pretty well, we were right up there. You know, there wasn't a lot bigger than we were. Um, so. Um, you know, I told him to call me the first of the year. That was on a Monday. And he called me on Thursday and said he was in town. He wanted to meet me. That was, you know, four days later. <laughs> the guy was really dynamic. And so we went out He's to... ready to go. Yeah, he was just like, now nah, we're doing this right now. And I'm like, wait a minute. You, you know? want a guy like that to buy a company, though, yeah. what you built, right? Yeah. He, he, was, he was a great guy. He was about 78 years old when I met him. And he had a whole team behind him, a real, real professional outfit. And, um, you know, we started negotiating, and before you know it, January, we had, you know, letters of intent, and we closed on June 1st, uh, 2010. Were you sentimental at all towards the company, or were you just like, no, this no, is what happens? No. I mean, I, I, I was more sentimental to the employees. I loved the employees, and the employees were great. You know, I uh, really loved working with everybody. They, we had a really great team, and we had a lot of fun. How much, if you don't mind me asking, how much did they initially offer you for it? I can't talk about those. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, it took you about six months to land on something you felt comfortable with. No, it took six months just to. I wanted to make sure that all my employees were safe, and I wanted to make sure all my customers were going to be safe. Uh, customers. I mean, I still have friends that are customers from twenty five years ago. You know, so I, I needed assurances that they, you know, we were going to do the right thing. And you know, we flew out to Calabasas a few times to see their operation and met with a lot of people. So once I felt comfortable, then we, we a lot did different it. than Waverly Square. Out in yeah, Calabasas. yeah, a little different. Warmer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm going out to LA on Thursday for the first time ever. It's on fire. Is it, yeah. is it great? <laughs> yeah. It's good luck. Have fun. Um, so you sell it and then are you like, what do I do with myself now? Well, that was it. I didn't know what to do. I had no plan. And, um, they asked me to stay on and I stayed on for a couple of years and managerial type role. Or- yeah. Well, it, I became a vice president. So I took a demotion <laughs> and then, uh, I had to learn how to work in corporate America. So that, you uh, know, was kind of like college, right? Yeah. It just didn't work. So I, I hung on for three years and I, you know, um, I had a I transitioned out, but I did it, you know, so no one got hurt. Everybody was safe, and and that was it. And then I I wandered around and started to, um, uh, you know, rebuild my apartments and things that had you know kind of been neglected while I was building the company. And I spent two years, you know, fixing up my apartments. And yeah, so cool transition to you doing real estate so you own a bunch of real estate around we the city? a couple hundred apartments and okay so yeah it's a lot of real estate yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's so casual yeah so you when did you start doing real estate because there's a lot of kids my age who are like oh my god real estate passive income this is how we make the big bucks right well i'll tell you it's uh there is a way to make money at it it's um there's always something um there's, there's always something that you can do to make money in real estate. The, the key is to make sure that you don't overpay for it. I mean, if there's any takeaway from anything I've ever done with real estate is um, 
the most money I made is the stuff that I stole. And the stuff that I paid, you know, high market value, thinking things were going to go up and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, it never, it was never a good move. So um, I ended up in, in the Fitchburg, Lemonster area only, you know, by accident because we had had a, a program um, in the landscape business where we had to bring in outside labor from foreign countries and we had to get housing for them. It just so happens, you know, Waverly Square in Belmont, there's the train and the T is, you know, and the, the bus and so forth are right there. In the Star Market. Right. <laughs> so we took the T out as far as we could to find cheap housing. And we ended up in uh, Lemonster and we bought our first house out there. Oh, so your, your properties aren't in Boston? I have properties in Dorchester and, and Boston and um, Belmont, and, but most of it is out west. Because that's where you could get the most. You know, we were buying you know three family houses for twenty five grand. So yeah, and what's that in Belmont right now? <laughs> Five hundred thousand minimum. Uh, Multi families in Belmont are over a million bucks now. Median, like that's, that's average. Yeah, average. Yeah, nine hundred to a million dollars. Wow. How yeah. m- how much has the rent gone up on some of your properties since you started? The ones in Dorchester. Well, the ones in we bought. Um, a bunch of condos in Dorchester and East Boston, and the rents started at like seven hundred, and now they're about seventeen fifty. That's so, wild. Yeah. And when did you buy them? So I bought in twenty ten, and nine then, years been up a thousand bucks. Yep. Yep. And wow. And then the East Boston stuff we bought in the nineties, and those we bought condos there for forty grand. And, and how much now? Three hundred and change that were. Yeah. And, did and, you did you expect the housing market to go up like that no, around here? No, but I'll tell you, if you're going to buy real estate, East Boston is the next place to buy. Dorchester and East Boston are the those are the places that you can't afford anything out around here, right? I mean, three family houses out here. Are, I just had the mayor up. He was like, "Hey," I was like, "What are we doing about affordable housing for kids my age out of college?" Yeah. He was like, "Well, uh, pick a nice car." Make sure you got a comfortable seat. <laughs> he was like, honestly, man, I don't really know. Well, I think his big strategy was uh, he wants to just open up, make other things less expensive so people have more money to spend on rent. I think it's pretty much all you can do, right? Yeah. I don't know enough about it, honestly. Mm. I'm in the back of this warehouse, man. Man, you just get a nice bed. You put it here, probably warm in the winter. It'll be fine. There's a hole right there for a reason. <laughs> Get a sprinkler; it won't burn down. You're fine. <laughs> so you you're dabbling in real estate along the way with the landscaping company. Yeah, we had uh, four carpenters that worked for us, and so we used to just buy houses. And then in the winter time, um, I'd take the guys to keep them busy, so I didn't have to lay them off. And we'd go and, and you know repair the houses and the condos and. Um, yeah, so I mean, we kept people busy. That's why we were successful. We never lost our help. You know, we kept them going all year round. How did you get people to want to work for you? Um, How many employees does Waverly have now? You probably have 40 employees now. We had 250 at the peak. And then in the snow, Nick, what do we have in the snow now? We probably got 300 to go out, right? Nick, Nick's not yeah, here. Nick left already. I mean, probably bored him. We got about 300 that go out in the snow, so... Yeah, how did you get people to want to work for you? You know, just paid them well. We always paid everybody. We never, we always gave everybody, you know, at least the going rate. And um, 
and made sure that they all had overtime. We paid overtime. You know, a lot of companies didn't do that. And we always, you know, we did everything by the book and the people appreciated it, you know, so that was good. So for kids my age who want to get into real estate, Abu, probably cut this as a clip. So for kids my age who want to get into real estate, can you kind of elaborate on when and why you take risks on real estate and when you know something's a risk and when you know something's a definite? Um, so I approached real estate a lot differently. It, I, I liked to pick up real estate that was um, uh, in need of repair, I guess is the best way. The best deals you find out there are things that need repair because no one really wants to do that anymore, right? Things no. you can flip. Well, no, just, you know, if you want to, if you want to hold, you know, you, I would, I, you know, I just bought a, a three family, um, in Fitchburg for 60,000 and it needs to be rebuilt and it'll, you know, we'll spend a hundred thousand rebuilding it and it will cash flow out when we're done. So I guess what you do is, you know, from my point of view is I try to buy something, know how to fix it because I've had the experience for myself. I mean, I'll, I'll try to put it in, in your terms afterwards. But once I know I it's going to cost X and I've paid X for the house and I know what the rents will be, it's it's a no-brainer. You know it's going to cash flow. You're going to make three or $400 a month, go from there. So if I'm, if I'm a young guy starting out, a lot of the deals I made and, and my commercial deals I made with no money down, and I, I did it... Um, by speaking with people and trying to find out there's a lot of people out there that'll try to help a young person and some people will actually hold the mortgage it's not a bad it's not a bad program to ask somebody to hold a mortgage for you and they make a passive income off of it um, for a number of years uh, two of my commercial buildings I did just that with the owners and they were able to go into retirement because uh, for the last 20 years I've been paying them at 7% interest. And they're just such great guys. I never tried to renegotiate when the interest went down because they were they were willing to, you know, uh, take a shot with me when I, when I needed help. So the best way to, you know, get any kind of real estate is to try to, you know, research and craft out uh, a way to, um, you know, find people that are motivated to sell and then try to create a deal for them, you know, so that it's, it's beneficial for both people. Again, you know, Two people win. It's great, right? So, how does someone get started in Boston, though? When just Boston's no different than any other town. You just you need more just, bread, though. No, you don't. You don't need any money to buy real estate. You just need to find the right person that's willing to give you their house, and you know trusts you enough to pay the mortgage. And there's people out there that do that. There's there's tons of people out there that do that. You just got to keep talking to people, and then you have to have you know the insight to show them how you know a mortgage would be paid off to them and. A lot of people can get a 20-year mortgage from somebody like yourself that's young, and they can, um, that's almost like an IRA, you know, paying them back the money that, you know, in, uh, you know, the form of the real estate that they've had all their life. It's, it's a good program. I've done, it, I've done it, you know, quite a bit. How much of your success in a lot of your businesses do you attribute to your understanding of construction and carpentry? No, and I, I stink at construction. I mean, I, I'm but terrible you understand welding and, you know, like some more blue-collar trades yeah. better than most. Yeah, you know, I mean. Like most real estate guys in Boston that are that have a prevalent brand are like, you know, business, like 
Armani suit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you came in with, you know what I'm saying, looking all yeah. swagged up with the Tims. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, well, I mean, I cause I work every day. I mean, I, I don't want to sit around a, a desk and, you know, there's there's a lot of really bright guys in this industry that, you know, you know do all their work on their desk and they just um, uh, go out there and, and execute and it works for them. And that's great. You know, my business model, which I never really had, was just I enjoyed work i enjoyed construction i enjoyed mixing it up with the guys so i used to buy houses just as like a project yeah that's it you know and if they made money and the money kept coming in i bought another one and and that was it so it kept my guys busy it was fun for me it kept me occupied and i learned as i went and i watched the carpenters do what they were doing and i'd ask them questions and you don't have to be that bright to do it trust me (laughs) that's what one thing you said you said on the phone, you said, running a business really isn't that hard. Yeah, it's not hard. Can you elaborate on that? Because most people would disagree with you. No. You know, first off, you have to find something that you love or you at least like and you might be interested in. If you don't like what you do, you will never make a nickel at it and you will hate it and you will you will die mad. And that's just a terrible way to go. If you enjoy what you do, and I said this to my kids, you never work a day in your life. And, and so far, I... I haven't worked any days in my life, you know. It's just been, you know, I've enjoyed what I've done. And when you enjoy what you do, you find clever ways to make more money or do more of what you're doing. It's just as simple as that. Don't get wrapped up in all the minutia of how to start a company. Just start one. You know, if you know how to make soup, make soup. And then, you know, go ask someone if you can rent a little space in the front of their place and make soup for them. You know, I mean, it's... You don't have to be. I want to pass on the soup making. Right, well, I, you know, soups. You know, you can find it. Campbell's got that figured out anyway. Yeah. Campbell's right. is killing it, especially the chunky. That used to be huge. Big fresh. Any questions? Um, <clears throat> so, if you had any advice for like a younger you, <clears throat> excuse me, um, starting out your businesses, and you know, um, maybe you have some like things that you know now that maybe would have helped you when you were younger? Like, do you have any kind of thoughts like that? So I probably would tell a younger self um, not to take on as much as I did initially. Um, I was in a, you know, scramble mode trying to make money uh, to pay bills. So I got involved with more businesses than I probably should have. I could have taken my time a little bit more. Although at the time... I'm sure I would have said to my older self, yeah, you remember what it was like here? Forget it. You know, we have to do this. And so, um, but I would say probably more stay focused on, on something that you really enjoy and, and put all your effort into that, not uh, jump around as much. That would be me saying to my younger self. And um, Good advice for me. Yeah. It's, Whoa. It's kind of <laughs> boring, though. So, you That's know. What I'm saying. It's just like. <laughs> I don't really like the dead time. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So looking back, do you think you would have ever thought you'd become this successful? I, 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 don't, I don't look at my, I mean, I, I look at you myself. You big up yourself a little bit. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? I, well, You've done some pretty big <laughs> stuff, man. I don't look at myself as, uh, you know, a, a big successful entrepreneur. I look at myself as someone that has been successful, that I've gotten through this far in my life, and I've been happy. 
you know. Uh, I have a lot of bad days. You know, there's a lot of days when, you know, it's just not like, hey, everything's great, you know. And, um, you know, they, they happen all the time. But I've got plenty of days when I'm real happy and I'm like, hey, that's great. We just picked up this account or we just did this or this customer's happy, or, you know. So that's how I, I judge success. Does your brain ever shut off? No. Yeah, never, right? No, no. It's just, I'm how afraid it, to. How long has it been like that for like 40 years? No. Since the day uh, my dad dropped me off at the car wash and said, good luck. Wow. <laughs> how many hours a night do you sleep normally? Four or five. Wow. Uh, how long has it been like that for? I can't remember. Years. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Four or five. It's a restless four or five, too. <laughs> wow. Well, man, I had a blast. Okay. Did you have fun? All right, brother. <laughs> oh, yeah, Uh-oh. Auntie Mo, sorry. Come through with your haymaker. The Meehan haymaker. <laughs> Auntie Mo, do you have fun? This, this is yeah, going to be. Yeah, I had fun. It was fun. But I have a question for Paul. Uh-huh. I'm still waiting for a bottle of wine from his well. vineyard. <laughs> oh, yeah, the vineyard. We didn't talk it, about that. It goes, it goes pretty quick. So, you know, as we get, as we get a little bit closer toward... Uh, That's the newest venture is the yeah. vineyard, right? Well, it's, it's not really a venture. It was just a... It's a hobby. You know, it's a hobby vineyard. You know, it's about a six-acre vineyard. And um, I enjoy making... Acre. Yeah, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> I enjoy making wine. I met a couple of great vintners along the way. And a guy by the name of Frank Zoll was at a wine tasting. And he and I started, you know, we hit it off well, and we started talking. And, you know, there's, there's, there's three phases of winemaking, right? There's the farmer, which is me. You know, I grow the grapes. And then there's the vintner. And the vintner, you know, makes the wine. And then there's the sommelier that is the historian that goes around and tells everybody where it came from, you know. so Yeah, now you sound like one of those big real estate guys. Yeah, yeah man. right, 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 right. So I hook up with the vintner because he knows how to make the wine, and it's too complicated for me. So, you know, um, he does all that, and I grow the grapes, and um, we make about 100 cases a year. But you can tell when you have a good homemade wine because everybody asks for another bottle. If they don't ask for another bottle, just go out of business right away. It means it's not that good. So We'll bring it to Christmas on too much. Yeah, that's it. How I'll, about that? I'll get you a couple. <laughs> oh, the Meehan family will love it. Yeah, Trust me, yeah, the Meehan family loves yeah, tossing them back, yeah. man. <laughs> Be the best customers. So are you guys doing like vineyard tours and stuff, or is it more of like a private operation? It's a, it's a private operation. Uh, my... Uh, partner Frank uh, ended up going down toward uh, the you know the southern states Virginia and he yeah because he's uh, real estate's cheaper down there and he could you know find uh, a bigger tract of land and a barn and he's doing that now I don't I just enjoy you know walking through the vineyard and it's it's great where's Lancaster Lancaster Mass yeah oh Mass okay. yeah up on you know Route Two up in the Route Two area Shirley and and Lunenburg and those areas Tossy country yeah yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, so I had a blast. This is how we start and end the episode. I got, a, I got a feeling this is going to be tough on you, Paul, because it's mm-hmm. tough on most, and this mm-hmm. is the most intellectual thing that's going to happen in the whole episode. Mm-hmm. You say hi, your name, yeah. and this is my golden hour. Directly after, no break. Hi, your name, and that was my golden hour. You have the. I need a script <laughs> for that. Yeah. All right, we'll walk through one part at a time. So you're going to say, hi, I'm Paul Tossi, the business guy, and this is my golden hour. Okay. Then directly after, hi, 
I'm Paul Tossi, and that was my golden. golden. Okay. Which know. camera you want to so, uh, right first? Here. On the on the right, your left. Yep. Okay. Whenever you're ready. Hi, this is Paul Tossi. I'm the business guy, and this is my golden hour. Bang. That's part one. Now part two. Hi, my name is Paul Tossi. I was the business guy, and this was my golden hour. <sighs> so close. You got the, We'll just do the second part one more time. This is was the first, and then that was. That was. Okay. Well, it's, Ready? It'll, it'll be funny. If you ever have a minute when your brain shuts off, you can go through all of our episodes and see 96% of people mess this up. This is, that was my goal. That was. Uh, okay, ready? This is Paul Tossi. <laughs> that was my golden hour. Well, actually, kid, thank you, man. Appreciate right. it.